Welcome to another episode of the Draft Preview Podcast presented by Verizon, Ethan Greenberg, Dane Brugler. The house is now fully furnished. If you're a new listener or you're a new watcher, you're in luck because now you get to see this beautiful background behind Dane in previous years. He was building his house. The house was coming in, in waves, I would say. So now can you take us through like, if you're watching, I see a couple footballs, I see a couple helmets, and if if you're listening, then I just did you a favor because now... I described it for you, but can you take us through like the decoration process behind you before we get to the combine? Well, after last year's draft, my goal in May and June was to get this done. And so I built it from scratch, did my own plans. Um, I, I, carpentry is a a nice little side hobby for me. And so it's a nice way to fill my time uh, to replace the draft for a month there. But uh, but after I built it, it was like, okay, well, how do I fill this whole because it's wall to wall? It's there's a lot of space. Um, And, you know, I've got a few things. uh, My Purple Raiders helmet, um, proud Mount Union alum. So how to get the Purple Raiders up there. Uh, A couple you know, football signed by Roger Staubach. Roger's been a huge mentor in my life. um, So definitely want to get him represented on there. Uh, pictures of the family, of course, right? Uh, Got to get the all all four (laughs) kiddos on there. And then, uh, you know, what little books? I have just to, you know, uh, so it looks like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a reader. So at least I can, you know, say I own some books. But uh, yeah, I think that's it'll, it'll continue to fill out as we uh, as we keep going. You have a favorite book? It's uh, related, right? I mean, it has to be. You know, honestly, I think it's probably the John Wooden book, uh, where it's just okay. front to back, just full of insight. And it's it's one of the few books where actually, you know, take a highlighter to it and say, Oh, I really like this or no, I need a, you know? And so I, if one book stands out that I've taken more away from, it's definitely that John Wooden book. I also see a, a plant behind you, a little greenery in the, you know, <laughs> my wife, uh, you know, my I, wife's I, mad. Cause I stole it from, <laughs> I stole it from okay. uh, our bedroom and you know, she wants it back up there, but I told her it looks better down here. So. Okay. All right. Um, well, it looks great. We'll put it that Thank way. Thank you. Thank you. We're, we're off to a great start here. The draft season is officially underway. It's always underway for you, but it feels like this is the train stop in terms of the combine where everyone's getting on board because it's like a tentpole event that's pretty nationally televised, if you didn't know already. And, of course, storylines heading into the week were about Bryce Young. He, I believe you took the under of 200. He weighed in at 204, right? That was a surprise to you. And really what I want to do is talk about the quarterbacks first because Mm -hmm. while the Jets are in the veteran quarterback market, the rookies or the soon-to-be rookies, as in Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, seems like Anthony Richardson really stole the show, definitely from a testing perspective in terms of the numbers. But after this week of of the combine in Indianapolis, how do you rank these guys and what type of performance did Richardson have to you? Well, I, you know, the Richardson performance was expected. I mean, he's a freak show, total freak show. Uh, we knew that uh, coming into the season, so it wasn't a, a surprise. But there is something special about seeing it with your own two eyes on the field. Uh, the way this 244-pound athlete can move out there, that type of speed. Um, and not just the – I mean, he had the – Best vertical jump we've ever seen from a quarterback at 40 and a half. The 444 40 yard dash, which is remarkable, or 443 40 yard dash, which is remarkable for a 244 pounder. Um, but also, you know, his positional stuff, the, the way the ball explodes off his hand. Again, we see that on tape. So it wasn't a huge surprise. 
but it is it is something special about seeing it up close and personal like that. Um, you know, you mentioned Bryce Young. Uh, we did not see him work out, and you can understand why when you know this. Uh, we're talking about the physical traits of Will Levis and um, you know a guy like Anthony Richardson. Bryce Young would have looked pretty small compared to those two guys throwing one after the other uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, I was a little surprised he got over 200 pounds. I, I took the under. I said we're around 198. Um, it, it doesn't really matter because he plays at around 185, 190, and every team knows that. But for the rest of his life, on the back of his football card, it'll say 200 pounds. So I understand why he decided, you know, hey, I need to play the game a little bit, get over 200 pounds. Uh, but you could probably bet he probably won't weigh at his pro day when he actually does run and uh, does some of the testing. But I'll tell you what, the guy you know that we haven't mentioned yet and the guy who was most impressive to me was C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. Uh, his And it's not a surprise when, you know, after you study his tape and you see how surgical he is from the pocket, how accurate he is, it's all very natural for him. Uh, it was not a surprise to see him go out there and put on a show in Indianapolis. Uh, very pinpoint. Uh, the timing was outstanding. The pacing, uh, his, his ability to touch up throws. Uh, we saw it uh, all over the Ohio State tape, but for him to go to Indianapolis and do it with receivers he's ever thrown to in a high-pressure situation, I, that when I left Lucas Oil Stadium Saturday night, that was the lasting impact for me with C.J. Stroud and how impressive he, uh, he was with the accuracy. But again, that, that was the M.O. coming in, so not a huge surprise, but I still thought he helped himself. And not to give a, a lot away, but C.J. Shroud is your number one overall pick, right? So it feels like that's kind of the anomaly in the mock draft right now. Yeah. It feels like you see predominantly Bryce Young. You've seen Anthony Richardson start to creep up there after the testing in Indianapolis. And if you're a Jets fan listening to this, you're probably like, well, why are you guys talking about the quarterbacks after you just said that the Jets are in the veteran market? Well, if there are four quarterbacks and – you know, everyone sees the order of the four differently, and there are quarterback-needy teams closer to 13, just using the Panthers as an example, at nine. That could only push down players at other positions that the Jets might try to add down closer to 13. So while the quarterback is not a need for the Jets in terms of the rookie class that's about to enter the NFL, it's still definitely a story to watch, right? Mm-hmm. Because, because of what I just said, that... The other players like offensive tackle, very popular pick. Well, if he, if a team goes quarterback, <clears throat> then you're looking at one of the guys that might have been drafted earlier, like Peter Skaronsky, might be, in fact, available closer to 13 than mock drafts have right now. And, and we're going to see plenty of movement. So, you know, mock drafts right now are a, a really useful exercise, but it's all going to get shaken up when teams start to move around, especially with the Bears sitting there at number one. They've been pretty clear. They plan to trade out and take the best offer available. And we don't know who, which team that's going to be, what's the offer going to be. So there's plenty of intrigue with that number one pick. Uh, it's likely going to be a quarterback. We just don't know which quarterback and which team. And then where does the, the quarterback pecking order go from there? Uh, you know, We're going to see plenty of trades in that top 10. And if, if, if the over-under is, say, three quarterbacks in the top 10, I think you have to take the over uh, with these guys. And, you know, I had four quarterbacks in my top seven in my mock draft up on the athletic. That's that's never happened before. So, you know, with these four guys, there's plenty of team, there's plenty of needs. And now it's going to be, okay, which teams uh, decide to go that route in the top 10? Without looking 
through the same lens as you, let's say, because obviously your encyclopedia is a lot bigger than the average draft fans. This starts to feel like it's a little bit like 2018. Baker Mayfield, number one, Sam Darnold to the Jets at number three. The Jets traded up to number three with the Colts from six to three. Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson. Like, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder with the quarterback, and it feels like it's going to be – the same case for the 2023 draft, but for the Jets at 13 and even beyond 13, when you look at the combine as a whole, right now the most popular pick position-wise is offensive tackle to the Jets. Now, whether that is Paris Johnson, who, by the way, had no idea he started a charity until recently when he was in high school, just an incredible human being, it seems like, and Broderick Jones, super athletic. So those are the two most popular picks, but – even beyond that, did any of those guys help themselves, any of the top tackle prospects or even offensive line prospects who are versatile pieces that the Jets could add on a later round? Yeah, and Broderick Jones, uh, that's who I had the Jets taken in my mock, uh, had the best 40-yard dash of uh, any offensive lineman at the Combine, which, you know, you always like to see. I don't know that, you know, it, it really matters all that much. Uh, you don't see your offensive lineman running 40 yards all that often. Uh, but, you know, he still had a, he had a good – 10-yard split. He was right at, I think, 174, which is a good time for him. Uh, his athleticism was on full display. And I really, I thought all the top offensive linemen did well. Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson, um, Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. I think everyone performed up, up to expectations. Um, I thought Syracuse's Matthew Bergeron looked really, really smooth, uh, which is to be expected. He's got good tape as a left tackle. Some teams have him on the board as a guard. Um, you know, plug him in as a zone-blocking guard, and you you have a, a guy that's going to start from day one. Other teams believe that he is a left tackle. So Matthew Bergeron helped himself. I think he's in that second-round range, maybe somebody that the Jets could take a look at. Um, I think the freakiest offensive lineman uh, was Blake Freeland from BYU, the numbers he put up. And not a surprise, he was the – uh, Gatorade, uh, Utah track athlete of the year as a senior in high school. Uh, as a sophomore in, in high school, he was a 6'7", 190-pound quarterback. Uh, and then he moved to defensive end. He didn't play offensive line until he got to BYU. They really developed his body and uh, got him in position to uh, be on the NFL's doorstep like this. So um, now needs struggles with power, plays a little high. Ha- ha- there's plenty of areas where he needs to get better, but, you know, you don't – it's hard to teach that length, hard to teach that athleticism. And so we'll see Blake Freeland uh, somewhere in those middle rounds could be a developmental op- option for a team like the Jets. One of my favorite stories of the combine was Andrew Voorhees, the USC mm-hmm. offensive lineman, ripping his knee up, unfortunately, yeah. tearing his ACL, and then putting up 38 bench mm-hmm. press reps with a brace on and literally crutching himself to the bench. I mean, that, that's that's got to be the first time that you've seen that, right? Oh, I mean, off the top of my head, yeah, I don't remember that happening. But, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Obviously, you're, you're bench press, you're talking about your upper body. And uh, mm-hmm. Voorhees was a guy that is known for that. I mean, he, he is a workout warrior. Uh, he loves the push iron in the weight room. So, coming in, he was the favorite to lift the most. And I, I think there was – he knew that. You know, there was a certain amount of pride that, you know, I have to go in there. People are saying I'm going to show out, and I, I need to live up to that. So, you know, kudos to him. You hate it for, for the player. Um, you know, it's uh, he dealt with injuries throughout his time at USC, uh, went back, played through pain, 
now it's another injury, but you know, if anybody's going to make it through, it's, it's, it's a guy like this. Who's got his mentality, his toughness, his work ethic. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how that affects him on draft weekend, but uh, I, I, I have a good feeling. We have not heard the last of Vorgis. Where was he in your mind as like a player based on tape alone, no injuries? Like what is his tape grade in terms of a round? Uh, I mean, because of all things considered before the ACL injury, probably in the fourth, um, you know, maybe there was a team. I know some teams thought even the third was possible for him. Um, Now, you know, you're probably obviously we'll have to see how the medical rechecks go. Hopefully, uh, you know, those are in mid-April. Hopefully that's enough time for doctors to have a good idea uh, of how the knee is healing and and what the prognosis long term looks like. And as long as everything's on schedule, uh, he should still hear his name drafted at some point on day three. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a, uh, he, he's going to be a quality depth piece for a team. So this is very much an interesting time of year. We are recording March 8th. Free agency is right around the corner. It's kind of like the combine is weird jostling for GMs because half of it is towards draft eligible players. The other half of it is getting yourself ready for free agency. So right now, as we stand here, the Jets roster is going to change within, you know, a week, within mm-hmm. days. So I know this is going to be difficult to do. I just want to talk about a couple other positions as well. And the reason why tackle is so fascinating for the Jets, let's even assume they don't sign one in free agency because the Jets don't have the same kind of money that they've had in prior years. So right now it was reported that Dwayne Brown will return for the 2023 season. Mekhi Becton coming back from injury as well. He's played like 40 snaps in the past two seasons combined. So let's say the Jets, the Jets in your mock draft add Broderick Jones that makes sure. sense right he but there's a scenario where he doesn't really see the field in year one because of guys like Dwayne Brown and Kai Becton so now other positions that the Jets could look to add whether that is probably on draft weekend maybe in free agency let's go over a couple of them and view them and through the lens of the draft and guys that play or performed well in Indianapolis and let's say has a improved stock Mm-hmm. So one position I go to is safety. The Jets have Jordan Whitehead. The Jets are without LaMarcus Joyner because he has an expiring contract. He could come back, but that's two straight seasons where his season has ended in injury. The Jets also have Tony Adams, undrafted free agent out of Illinois last year. The Jets like what they have in Adams, but if they wanted to add a player at that position, we've talked about Brian Branch before at 13, but what about elsewhere in the draft? Yeah, if they decide to wait till, say, you know, the third round, fourth round, uh, Quan Martin. Actually, you know, let's talk about both Illinois safeties because I think both could be in play. Um, And we're talking about Quan Martin and Sidney Brown. Quan, uh, also known as Jartavius uh, Martin, he's a a big-time athlete. um, And he's a guy that has played corner, has played nickel, has played more of a single high safety role. He has range. He has ball skills. Uh, you know, he's that, that Illinois pipeline in the secondary has been pumping these guys out and Devin Witherspoon's going to be a first round pick, but don't o- overlook these two safeties. Uh, Quan Martin, I think brings some versatility to the back end. Um, he tested really well. He was at four, four, six, 40 yard dash, uh, had the best vertical jump at 44 inches, which is just ridiculous. Uh, 11, one in the broad jump. Um, and then Sidney Brown, he's, I, you know, I, I would argue that few senior prospects help themselves more from last year to this year 
than Sidney Brown. He had six interceptions this year for Illinois. Uh, you know, the, the ball just found him. Uh, and, he, and he did a really nice job being around the ball to put himself in those positions. And then he goes to the, the senior bowl and has a great week. Then he goes to the combine, a, a, a great week. For a guy that uh, came in at uh, 5'10", 211 pounds, he ran 4.47 in the 40-yard dash. 40 and a half inch for 10, 10 broad also put up uh, one of the better bench press numbers among the safeties with 23 reps of 225. So this is a guy that uh, is always around the football. He's going to be a core special teamer the moment he shows up to camp. Uh, you know, both these guys from Illinois are in that third, fourth round range who, uh, you know, just, you have a good feeling about them as football players. So um, I, I think if the jets pass on those on that position in the first round, there's some options there, even though I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say safety is a deep position this year. There are definitely some intriguing guys in the top four rounds. Okay. So we could talk about the combine for a long time and how it impacts the jets. One guy and that comes to mind. We had talked about him last week is Jackson Smith and Jigba. Mm-hmm. How do you think he performed? What did he show you? And you know, is this, arrow up for him also with that being said another reason why I bring it up is because the Jets in the past have used premium picks at wide receiver I'm not saying the Jets are going to do that again but let's just say you know the the Jets don't go tackle I do think receiver could be in the mix because right now you're looking at Garrett Wilson Corey Davis will have to see the status of him he's making a lot of money he's also under contract for this year but not next year and then Elijah Moore as well so the Jets and Denzel Mims so the Jets have a couple unproven guys, if they were to add a player at 13 that wasn't a tackle, I do think receiver could be in that mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba was awesome. I mean, that C.J. Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba, those are the two players on Saturday, day three of the combine, where I just left and was like, wow, those uh, those workouts were fantastic. Um, and uh, Smith and Jigba is obviously a guy we haven't really seen in a year. You know, the last time he was healthy, it was really that Rose Bowl performance against Utah where, uh, oh, he set a, 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 an NCAA record in a bowl game for receiving yards. I mean, he was fantastic. So, and, you know, you ask Garrett Wilson, he'll, he'll tell you straight up that, uh, you know, he was, uh, Smith and Jigba is the better receiver of the two or of the three, if you include Olave in that discussion as well. Uh, and he had a front row seat for, for Smith and Jigba the last few years. So, uh, you know, his, there's a reason he didn't run the 40. I mean, he said he, you know, didn't feel ready yet, but I mean, he did all the other drills. His 40 is not, it's just not in a spot where he feels comfortable putting out that four, five, four number or whatever it's going to end up being. He's not a burner. That's, that's not the, what he does best as a receiver. He's so polished as a route runner. And then his short shuttle and his three cone, that short area agility, that was outstanding. That, I mean, he was uh, elite with those two numbers um, at the combine. So um, Jackson Smith and Jigba, not going to blow you away with the speed, average size, but ball skills and route running. That's why he's going to be a – he has the has the floor of a really good NFL player. And I think you plug him in the slot, and I, he's ready to go from day one. So that's why for a team looking for that type of profile – they're going to look at Smith and Jigba somewhere in the top 25 and say, he makes our offense better. So he, he might not be for everybody, but for that role, Smith and Jigba is a good player. So I'm glad you brought up the slot aspect because to me, you look at Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson's very talented and obviously so. He's an offensive rookie of the year. He played outside. He played a little inside. He's listed on the Jets website 60192. Smith and Jigba weighs in at 61196. Mm-hmm. What is it about 
JSN's game that people lend it to say, you know what, he's the slot receiver, and yet his height-weight metrics are about the same, if not a little heavier, a little taller than Garrett Wilson, who plays on the outside and the slot. Well, I mean, part of it is that's what he did at Ohio State. And so that's 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 what his specialty was, was working the middle of the field, uh, really leaning on those mismatches and getting open. So that's what he that's the role he played at Ohio State. And I'm not saying he can't play outside. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, OK, say Zach Martin, left tackle for the Cowboys or um, uh, a guard for the Cowboys. He was a left tackle in, at Notre Dame. Could he kick out and play left tackle for the Cowboys tomorrow and do just fine? Yeah, he could. But I think his ceiling is the highest inside a guard. He's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. Smith and Jigba, if you wanted to play him outside, he could do that. I, you know, I'm not saying he can't because I, I think that a lot of what he does will can translate on the outside. But to maximize what he does best, and that's uh, beating coverage because of his routes, how sudden he is uh, in the underneath game, finding those soft spots, and then being a catch-and-run target – that really lends itself to being, uh, you know, maximizing that talent inside. So, um, you know, it just these two guys have do two different skill sets uh, with what they offer between Garrett Wilson and JSN, two really good players who complement each other really well. And hey, it'd be fun to uh, team these guys back up again in the NFL. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Jets and free agency. Obviously, that will kind of crystallize the picture for the draft as we get closer and. You know, things change between now and April 28th or 29th, whatever the Thursday is. So one more question for you, because we could talk about the Combine forever. I could talk about the Jets forever. I want to talk about a player that probably draws unfair comparisons to, I'd say, the naked eye. And mm-hmm. we're going to the defensive side of the ball because Sheldon Rankins, the defensive tackle for the Jets, is an unrestricted free agent or scheduled to be. And the guy I want to talk about is Kalaja Cansey. I say that right? You got it. Man, that is a tongue twister. Kalijah Cansey. One's a C in Kalijah, one's a K in Cansey. Anyway, so the reason why I think he draws unfair comparisons is because he's an undersized Pitt Panther. Yeah. There happens to be a future Hall of Famer who plays for the LA Rams at the same position who is an undersized Pitt Panther, or was at one point in time. And not to mention Aaron Donald, the guy we're talking about, as the future Hall of Famer, was the 13th pick in the draft. Could Kalijah Cansey, if the Jets went in that direction, be worthy of the 13th overall pick? Because a couple things. One, you know the Jets want to add to the defensive line every chance they can. Mm. The interior depth outside of Quinn and Williams isn't quite there right now. Nathan Shepard's supposed to be a free agent. Shelton Rankin's supposed to be a free agent. So a guy like Cansey makes sense. And then twofold here, Jalen Carter. It, yeah. Hours after we recorded the episode last week, the news comes out that there's a legal process that needs to play out. Obviously, we don't know what that result's going to be, but have you heard anything about Carter and how this might impact his draft status, even if everything is cleared? So with KNC, uh, yeah, obviously, I think you know, you're know you spot on. Those comparisons, they're going to be there. Um, and for a, a guy that uh, was, what, 6'1", 281 at the Combine, to go out there and run in the four sixes, uh, pretty impressive. That guy can move. Now, I think the biggest question with Cansey will be the lack of length. 30 and 5 eighths inch arms, which is well below average. Aaron Donald had you know longer arms than that. And so he's at a length disadvantage right off the bat, no matter whatever blocker he's going up against in the NFL. And how will that uh you know, how will we be able to combat that? You know, the tape is great. You throw on the tape, violent. 
Uh, he's so quick with his hands. He understands how to free himself from blocks. He doesn't get uh, caved in very often. Uh, you know, he, he, there's just a lot to like about the way he moves, the violence that he plays with, and then his just overall ability to be disruptive. Now, translating that to the NFL is easier said than done, but I think that teams are optimistic he can do that, even with the shorter arms. I think Kansi does go somewhere in the first round. Uh, could he go as high as 13? You don't rule it out because you you throw on the tape. You know you you don't like the arm length number, but then you throw on the tape and you're quickly reminded. Okay, yeah, this guy he he could maybe give us that interior uh, rush presence that we've been looking for. With Jalen Carter, it's obviously a a, a complicated evaluation. Um, you know, just talking to scouts that were you know went through Athens the last two years, it, it wasn't. I don't the the, the term character concerns is. Uh, it's a little too strong. Uh, that that's what scouts said. Now, is was Jalen Carter a little immature? Did he, you know, did Kirby uh, Smart have to ride him a little bit to get the most out of him? Yeah, but that's that. that I think that is with most 19, 20, 21 year olds, as you know, they have all this talent, and it's up to the coaches to get the most out of them. And so, does he need to learn how to be a professional? Yes, no doubt. Now, the news that came out last week. That was that, 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 you know, teams weren't inspecting, expecting that. That, that was new. And so I, the, the silver lining is this is not the Laramie Tunsil gas mask situation where that happened day of the draft and teams are scrambling. Okay, what do we do? You know, what, what, what do our reports say? Let's, let's make calls. Let's try to figure this out um, as he would fall down the draft board. We have 50 days for teams to, to exhaust every resource they have to find out more about Jalen Carter. Uh, you know, is this going to be a guy that brings trouble with him uh, as soon as he's drafted? Or is just this an isolated incident where he made a youthful mistake? It's not likely that uh, it's going to continue. It's a one-time thing. Teams have to be comfortable with that because Jalen Carter is a tremendous talent, but to invest a top five, top 10 pick into a player like this, you better be convinced of the, the not just the player, but the person you're bringing into your building and into the community. So a lot of work is going to be done on Jalen Carter between now and the, that last weekend in April. And so at the end of the day, you know, each team might look at it a little bit differently. Uh, each team has a different appetite for risk. Um, so the Jalen Carter situation is ongoing. We, we you know, don't know enough just yet, but this it's a situation that we'll keep close tabs on as we get closer to the draft. A lot of dominoes still need to fall between now and late April when the draft occurs. Of course, the first domino seems to be around the corner with free agency. So that's all we have for this episode of NFL Draft Preview presented by Verizon. Dane, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Ethan.